Abundance of love Abundance of grace Down to that cross You took my place Oh God You take my ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. The Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakalah, in late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from their captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The walls were broken down in Jerusalem. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, The walls have been torn down. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for each person who showed up today. Thank you for allowing us to have this place to gather in your name. And God, I ask you now to anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you and teach us by your word from your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've been around for any length of time, you know, one of the things that we we say we've committed to as a church What's up, MJ? You still stationed at NES Jacks? I mean, Mayport, yeah? What's up, coach? You're still living, bro. Look at you, man. Ah, Marvin's been working not just out of town, out of, not just out of the state, out of the whole geographic region. Um, y'all don't mind me. I'm just saying hi to friends. That's just, got cold in here, though, didn't it? Good point. I'm going to let them leave it right there. Elaine said, y'all going to stay awake. Um, But we say we've committed to reading the proverb of the day. Whatever day of the month it is, today, what's today, the fourth? Fourth day of the month, so you read proverb chapter what? Simple. Every one of these, if you look on, I I actually did it. Um, I I went on my audio Bible program through blueletterbible.com. And I looked at the track on all 31 Proverbs to see exactly how long the, they, they were. And there's not one. And this is in the dramatized version. Uh, and, and this is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, nobody reads that slow. The dramatized version. There's not one proverb that takes more than four minutes on the dramatized version. You literally could read any of these chapters within two, three minutes at the most. And it's not about rushing through it, but what it is, I'm trying to get you to start your morning off with something positive, something spiritual, something that will feed your your inner man so that you can think on things all day long. For military people and and, and non-military people, like you should get this concept. The marching order of the day. You read that in the morning. Give God three minutes. Read that. 
you're going to get some little nugget in there, and you're going to be like, oh, I like that. I'm going to concentrate on that. That's your marching order of the day. All day long, you just meditate on that, on that one phrase, on that piece of a verse, on one or whatever you, jumps out at you. And that, that's part of what we do to try to stay spiritually healthy at Abundant Life, try to stay spiritually uh, nourished. But in addition to that, every month I share with you the book of the Bible that I'm personally reading through over and over and over again. Uh, and this month, as you, as you know, is Nehemiah. And we're going to try to look at probably some of these this month if God allows us to and glean what God wants us to glean. Learn what we need to learn. The Bible says these stories are written for our what? For our examples, so that we can learn from them. The reason we have this documented for us thousands of years after it happened, because this happened over 400 years before Jesus was born, so we're 2,500 years ago uh, this happened. We've got this recorded for us so that we can learn. Say learn. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll see some things that we can piece together and make sense. Nehemiah was a great leader. He was, um, man, I'm trying to, I got this cold on my neck right now. Let me stand over here. Nehemiah, Dina's like, he can't be pleased. <laughs> hey, I've gone, I've seen people go from fanning to putting jackets on. Um, Nehemiah was a, uh, he was a political leader. He was a builder. He was an inspirational figure. He came along in the same time as Ezra. They were contemporaries. Ezra was a little older than him, but Ezra was preaching, and Nehemiah was leading, and God was getting the glory. We've been looking on Wednesday nights at spiritual gifts and how to determine your spiritual gift and how to get plugged in into doing your role. The Bible says that we're all jointly fit together. We're like a wheel with spokes in it, and if you're not in your spot, that part of the wheel is weakened. And we've all got something to do, and we all need to get into what God has for us. And Nehemiah certainly had a great job to do as, as a leader of God's people. Now, a little backstory before we get into this. The Babylonians, they'd invaded Jerusalem. They had took the Jewish people into slavery. When Babylon fell to Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia, and he, he started letting the people return to Jerusalem, but many of them stayed scattered throughout the world. This is called the Great Diaspora. Now, some black Hebrew nationalists have tried to equate this that happened thousands and thousands of years ago to, to what happened to black people in Africa 500 years ago, in, in the, and and they, they call that the great diaspora. No, the great diaspora was the scattering of God's people thousands of years ago when everybody was put either into slavery or ran for their lives. And all the Jews left Jerusalem, and they went out to all parts of the world. And I've told you before, if you don't know this, get this. Um, this will cure uh, or it will help bring, shine some light to racists in this country. All the Jews, because I know people that say, oh, the real, all real Hebrews are black because they can show you Africans who are Jews. And there are lots of black Jewish people. I know uh, people on the other side of the coin that will tell you Jews are white. Look at uh, Bibi Netanyahu. He's as white as I am. Uh, and and he's, he's the head of the whole place. But here's the reality. Some got scattered to Germany. And to the Caucasoid region, 
and they intermarried for centuries with light-skinned people. Some went south into Africa, and for centuries they intermarried with Africans. So you got these black Jewish people, and you got these white Jewish people. And some kind of way, because God loves unity and the devil loves division, white people want to try to act like Jesus is white, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, skinny, frail, sissy, hanging on a cross with one drop of blood on his face. That's offensive to every real Christian and to the thought of who Jesus was, the manliest man, the most perfect, the only perfect human being to ever live. And let me tell you something. He wasn't some sweater vest wearing beta male. He was a carpenter. They didn't have power tools. They didn't have uh, uh, laser tape measures. They didn't have, uh, you know, all, all, all the stuff. To It's so funny. I watched one time some TV show had a Christian saga on and it was Noah's ark. And Noah woke up in the morning, and he was surrounded by palletized wood, pre-cut lumber all around him to build. Uh, that It doesn't go like that. Jesus is out there cutting trees down, hauling trees. And he wasn't white like me, and he wasn't black like Adrian. He was Jewish, and before the great diaspora, they were all brown-skinned people. They all looked like Middle Eastern people primarily look. Not ones who got scared. Oh, well, I met a, a real Hebrew person, and they were black. Oh, I met a real Hebrew person, and they were white. Because they were scattered throughout. But when Jesus was on the planet, uh, the Middle East was the Middle East. So anyway, that's just a little uh, side note for, well, what do real Jews look like? Red, yellow, black, and white. What do real Americans look like? Red, yellow, black, and white. What do real human beings look like? Red, yellow, black, and white. And so we, 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 during this time, all the Jews have been pushed out. They've been taken into slavery. Some of them stayed with their captors, Nehemiah being one of them, because he had a cushy job. Say job. He's trying to keep you all awake because the air cut off. So... There, there, there's some people who are coming back. They've been scattered throughout the world. Nehemiah's attained this amazing position of honor in the king's palace. He was the cupbearer. Now, that's, that's a lofty position. I don't want that role. He drank what the king was going to drink, and the king was like, and if he didn't fall... Then the king knew it was good to go. But what it allowed him as a former slave was to live in the palace, was to eat palace food. And it allowed him direct communication with the king. Historians tell us that some of the uh, historically closest people to kings were slave cupbearers because they were always by the king's side they acted almost like a press secretary and a valet. They went with the king everywhere. So, it, it, I mean, for, for a Jew, that's, that's as cushy a job as somebody could get. So get the picture. Nehemiah has stayed behind. He's got some people that come to him, and he's like, hey, what's up with our people? I heard they're coming back. What's going on? How, 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 how does it go for them? And... Uh, it wasn't good. Say not good. And I want you to know, the state of affairs in America is not good either. All over the world, there's work to be done in God's kingdom. 
And God's looking for some faithful people. When, when, we get, when, when you're reading the book of Nehemiah and you get to chapter 4, don't go there now, but you'll, you'll read a verse that talks about how fast in a four-month period of time that they were able to build the wall to half its height. And I, and I love this phrase, because the people had a mind to work. Oh, if you get a people with a mind to work and, and, and you get them focused and, and, and keyed in on what God has for them, big things can happen, and that's what I want to see happen in your life. That's what I want to see happen in my life and the life of this church. But what it takes is people willing to leave their comfort level and get to work. This is an amazing book. When you look at what Nehemiah did, he left the palace. He, le- he left the, the good food, the king's table, and, and he went to work. And I believe that this is here for our example. In verse 1, let's hear it again. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Now, he says, I was at this fort- at the king's palace because he knows everybody else wasn't there. Some were in the city. Some had been scattered around the world. He was concerned about what was going on back in his hometown, and he's working as the cupbearer for this dude named Artaxerxes. Now, I love it. it Look, look, look right here, second to the bottom line. You see that word? <laughs> had a pastor. Man had two doctorate degrees. He was brilliant. And every time he would read this king's name, he would say, Artaxerus. And I'm like, Arta- well, it says Artax or Xs. Uh, Artax or Xs. Uh, but that's Artaxerxes is how you pronounce that. He was the son of, anybody know? King Xerxes, that's what Arta means. He was the son of Xerxes, which made him the stepson of who? Esther. Esther is his stepmother, and Esther's a woman of God. Remember, all the messages ever preached about Esther can be boiled down to a cliche for such a time as this. Well, Not only Esther was put where she was put for such a time as was needed then, you're right where you need to be for such a time as this. The the battle that you're going through, you're supposed to be going through it. But I, I love what one writer said. It might not sound politically correct to use this word in mixed company, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, one theologian said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> That's good preaching right there. Don't just stop in the middle of your mess. You might be going through hell by the acre, but keep going. Don't just lay down and say, oh, well, I guess this is just my lot in life. I'm just, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, we've, we've got to get on a good foot with the Lord, and we've got to start doing all that God called us to, because here's the reality. Whether it was God pre-positioning Esther in, in, into the throne so that she could have sway over her husband and over her stepson to help God's people. I want to tell you, the Bible says that each of us have been given a spiritual gift that we can help each other. And you need to be out here on Wednesday night learning about that. But we, we see this going on. We see the backdrop. In verse 2, it says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. Now, the Bible talks about news from a far country. And that if it's good, it's like refreshing water on a hot day. 
everybody loves to hear good news about back home. Nobody likes to hear what just was, was just about to be told. He said, I asked them about the Jews who had returned from their captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you something about human nature. As somebody with a degree in psychology, I can tell you when someone asks you, how's it going in such and such a place, if they're emotionally well, if they're not just a hater, they're hoping you'll say good news. When somebody says, hey, man, how you been doing this week? They ain't trying to hear about your gout, your sciatica, your, your, your you know, your bunions. They're, they're trying to hear, man, it's all good in the neighborhood. They want to, but he didn't get good news. So he asked them, and I know just from knowing human nature, he's fired up. He's like, oh, man, my people, I'm going to hear how it's going. Everybody's going back. This is awesome. We're, we're, not, we're not all full-fledged in slavery at this point. And he, he's asking them because he wants to hear good news. In verse 3 it says, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. Now, if I stand up here right now, and I've been preaching to y'all for a long time, um, and I have been telling y'all about one certain city that stays on my heart and on my prayer list because I find it so massively hypocritical. I find it so majorly uh, incredible that nobody in America talks about it. If some deranged nut job takes a gun, and it doesn't matter now, the last uh, active shooter we just had in America used a pistol. That kind of threw a wrench in everybody's, ooh, take AR-15s off the shelf. Do you know that over 90% of all gun deaths are committed by 9 millimeter? Less than 2% of gun deaths are committed by AR-15? Okay? But that's a different story for a different time. If some nut job went in and killed three people in a nightclub tonight, it'd be national news. Oh, and, and don't, 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 let them, don't let them be in any type of uh, uh, social identity group. If, if they're minorities, if, if they're gay, if they're transsexual, oh, this is just even bigger news. When in Chicago, 11 people get killed every week, and nobody blinks an eye. We know six names as Americans, okay? Let, 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 let's rehearse them. Uh, uh, Trayvon what? George what? Eric what? Eric Garner. Brianna what? Taylor. Who, who am I forgetting? Michael Brown. We know five people's names, and we're walking around with T-shirts, say his name, say her name. Uh, and, and every week some three-year-old gets killed in Chicago, and, and they, don't even, they, they don't even publish that name. Ain't no T-shirt. No justice for so-and-so. And it's hypocritical to be concerned about five people over, the, over, our, over your lifetime. I'm not saying don't be concerned about them. Be concerned about all life. But, man, the murder rate in Chicago, it's bad. You need to be praying for the city of Chicago. It is, it is uncontrollable, and here's the sad reality. Do you know what happens in, in, in communities that have to adjust to horrible living situations constantly, they just get used to it. Do you know, uh, there's some people in this neighborhood, if you heard a gunshot go off outside your window, you would call the police. There's some people in this room that would be like, this is what it is. They say, just out there shooting. This is not normal. I don't even remember. I wish Dina was in here. She remembers it better than I do. 
But right after we first came here, I think they were like 11 and 12. Two boys killed a homeless man in the dumpster on 103rd. And and you see that dumpster. When you leave and you go to the red light at 103rd, look to your right just before you get it. You'll see the dumpster. There was a homeless man living in that that little section in that dumpster. And and 11, 12-year-old boys from this community shot him in his head and killed him. And when asked why they did it, they said, I just want to know what it felt like. And we're like, well, you know about these little jits, man. They just be out there banging and slanging and just shooting folk. How are we comfortable with that? How have we come to a nation where we act like 11 people every week getting killed in Chicago matters none? Now, here, here's my thing, and don't get me wrong. And, and, and people, people get bashing on stuff. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. And it's like gay people never hear this. If you, listen, if you're gay, tri, bisexual, trisexual, if you've got 37 genders, listen, hear me well. I'm no more upset with, with gay people than I am people who don't read their Bible. And God, ha, God doesn't judge gay people any harder than he's going to judge non-praying people. All, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But let one gay person get killed in America, and the whole world's going to know their name. It's going to be national news. Um, but let 11 people get killed in Chicago. I promise you this. I didn't even look before I came out here. I, I guarantee you there was 5 to 10 people that got killed this, just yesterday and today in Chicago. And they're like, well, you know, it's isolated to the south side, and it only happens in one section of town. Man, this is people. This is human Life and things are not going well in America. If you really believe, and they always ask this around election time, they could have asked this at any day, week, month, year in our lifetime. Is America doing better now than it was doing a year ago? No. They could ask that. It doesn't matter what, what, what political is going on. Do you think America's doing better now than it was doing 10 years ago, 20 years ago? 30 years ago, do you know our grandparents would have had their teeth fall out of their mouth if they watched one video on uh, MTV? They'd have ran out of the room screaming. My grandmother would have had a heart attack if she would have seen some of that. And we're just like, "Mm, well, you know, times, America, it's just, it's just, that's just how it goes. We have, we have become so desensitized to the horrific They show nightly news. Um, I I don't even know if y'all saw that one lady. It was a couple years ago. It was this woman did a hook shot with a baby from here, literally from here to Nancy of the dumpster, with a baby wrapped in a towel and just hook stepped one foot out of her car, hook shot her own baby into the dumpster and drove off. And, I mean, Seth and I heard a comedian. I know you'll remember this. Uh, He was talking about how desensitized America is to news. Mother discards baby in dumpster in Detroit. Meanwhile, price of eggs are up and kittens are on sale at Macy's. How do you just come with all that and just act like this this is nothing? This is not human behavior. We are witnessing stuff on the regular in America that is not even human behavior. Man, if somebody, imagine if they dug great-grandmama up right now. 
plopped her down on the corner of 103rd and Firestone and said, welcome to America. You're talking about freaking out. But so Nehemiah is living, living this. I ain't been there in years, man. Tell me what's going on. Well, things are not going well. They're in great trouble and disgrace. Talking about a nation. Now, if I tell you America's in great trouble and disgrace, you should say amen. Because America's in great trouble and disgrace. Now, I'm going to put my addendum on there. If you think it's bad in America, it tells me you hadn't traveled anywhere. Talk to somebody who's been outside of America. Uh, if you think jail in America, listen, the recidivism rate is high in America, higher in America than in any other country. Anybody know why people go back to American jails more than they go back to Mexican jails? Hey, what was his name? Uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock said, they made jail so nice, I went back twice. And that's funny, but it's real. There, there are, do you know up north right now there are people trying to get arrested? Because when it gets cold, they want to get off the street. And they want to get into a place with a bed and a blanket. Man, we got some inhumane things going on. Now, better than anywhere else. Uh, and, and listen, if, if you're on a victim status, it don't matter. Uh, all, all you feminists out there. America, America, the patriarchy and, and women and the male patriarchy. Uh, if you think women are treated bad in America where every man holds a door for you and every man goes to work hard to provide for his family, uh, you ain't been around the world. Women are treated better in America than any other country in the world. Well, 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 uh, well, they just don't treat homosexuals the way they should in America. We don't have enough right. Do you know they hang homosexuals in every Muslim country in the world? Look at that map back there. You'll find out that's a big piece of the world. Now, America, America's got good things going on, but I can tell you for sure, we're in great trouble, and it is a disgrace. They said the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. That's something bad that has happened. Say bad. And tell somebody what and means means there's more. Not just have the walls been torn down, but the gates have been destroyed. See, it's gone from bad to worse. It's gone from bad to worse. And you got to know, as, as a reasonable human being, now if somebody woke up today and told you, hey, you know, uh, somebody actually got killed this week in Chicago, that, that's, that's not going to cause you to bust out in tears and, 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 ma- and massive weeping for the most part. It's going to be like, uh, yeah. Gas is expensive. People get shot in Chicago, and, you know, folk can't drive in the rain. But we take this with such a grain of salt that we got to begin to see things more by the way God sees them because things, when things go from bad to worse and no one notices, it's like, eh, it just is what it is. Then that's less and less opportunity for things to get better. So the wall has been torn down. Torn down walls can be fixed. The gates have been destroyed. Oh, that's even worse. You can't even fix that. Uh, you got to start over. These walls in Jerusalem, they are broken down. Now, these walls, they symbolize something. A wall in, in, in this context symbolizes three main things. Strength, safety, and protection. Strength, safety, and protection. And 
Ancient cities, their only real means of defense uh, were their walls. Now, of course, they had archers and they had little slingshot uh, type cannons that they could launch fireballs with. But the big defense was a big wall. And that's why it's so funny. Every time I hear Nancy Pelosi say walls don't work, I think, well, they use walls since the beginning of time because they work. And you live, you got a brick wall around your house in your gated neighborhood. So don't tell me walls don't work. Um, Walls have always been used for strength, safety, and protection. Now, Babylon had some really famous walls. Uh, Babylon ruled the world at one point. And it was it said, historians say, that their walls were 380 feet thick. I don't even know. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think, Dickie Scott, from this back wall to that wall is? 80 feet? Darrell, what do you think? You, you do a lot of housing. 80, 85, about, yeah. You could drive how many cars across this thing at one time? They used to have chariot races on top of this. Imagine a wall 380 feet. I mean, that's, that's like five times longer than this room. This is a giant wall. And, hey, if you had a 380-foot thick wall, it was over 100 foot tall. Now, I'm not riding no chariot around on top of a 100-foot ledge. Mm-mm. We stayed one time. I don't even remember. Oh, it was that... Uh, with the chocolate chip cookies, hotel, Peabody, Doubletree, one of those. We stayed right next to the uh, basketball. I, f- I forget what, what who was repping it at that time. They changed the stadium name so fast. But in Miami for the Heat, we were going to see the Heat play. And there's a Doubletree less than a quarter mile from there. They're like, you can walk or you can catch a cab. I'm like, hello, cab. We walked back because literally it's faster to walk than to take a cab. But it was, I, I think the hotel was like 38 stories up. And it all had this, these, it was all like a square. And the rooms were all on the outside. And then there was this rail. And everybody could look over the rail down into this atrium. Where if you were on the floor level, you could look all the way up 40 stories. We were like on the 29th floor. And, and, and Seth's smiling because my kids, they're looking over the rail. I'm like, that's, that's a long way down. Uh, outside the balcony, right there on the marina in Miami uh, where, where the stadium is. And I went to that rail. That rail was there. I got about, I'm like, I see people go to these hotel balconies and lean on rails. I'm like, do you not know? That crazy drunk people been swinging off them balconies forever? Let me just see if any smart people in the room. How does a hotel chain know that the railing is not safe, stable, and and is broken? Same way one of these carnival acts realize when when one of their rides. Listen, if you let your children get on these rides at the fair, drunks and felons put those rides together overnight. And they're going to take them down next week and put them up in Orlando. And when they're like, hey, Bubba, I got three extra bolts. What are we going to do? It'd be all right, Chucky. What? And every year, 
some kid comes flying off a ride at the Jacksonville Fair. And they're like, oh, disaster has struck close to home. When drunk felon, wino, crack addicts build your amusement park, no, it, it, it's, it's not going to go well. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not riding fair rides, and I'm not looking over tall belt. I'm certainly not getting on top of a 100-foot wall and riding a car around it. But they had a big wall, say big. And it represented, see, some of y'all taking notes. Somebody tell me the three things it represented. Thank you. Strength, safety, and if you got a 380-foot wall, most people feel pretty safe about having a chain-link fence around their house. Well, you know, fancy people go ahead and put up a, 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 a privacy fence. Six foot tall. You just, like, you don't want nobody to see your stuff. A hundred foot tall? 380 foot? We don't even have, we don't even have yards that big. But the, the Babylonian wall was huge, and, and it provided a lot of strength, safety, and protection. And Jerusalem had none of these things. And I believe prophetically... There have been walls torn down in this country. Walls that used to exist. Wall, walls that were readily recognized in this country. I believe they have been torn down. I believe walls have been torn down in the Lord's church. The level of carnality in the Lord's church should have every Christian who's truly born again weeping in sackcloth and ashes. To just let put the hay down where the goats can get it. The level of carnality in the pulpits in America. Just the preachers in America are so raggedy. Uh, and, and I'm not excluding myself from that. We have fallen. Can anybody say amen? amen? We have fallen morally. Think of the decline. If you're anywhere near my age, I'm 59 years old. I have seen a straight-line decline of morality in America. Kids didn't used to talk to grown folk the way they talk to grown folk now. You know why? Because every mama in the whole community was slapped them in their face. Oh, you, you advocating child abuse? You got to do what you got to do. No, I'm not advocating child abuse. But what I'm saying is, in my lifetime, I've seen stuff just go downhill. I, I told Dean, I told my kids, it must... I, I used to say this when I was young. Now, now I'm, you know, I, I get the discount at IHOP. So I'm eating on a 55 and older menu. Don't let me, don't, don't get it twisted. I'll take my advantage. Yeah. But I, I've seen morality fall. I, I used to say when I was younger, it must be tough getting old to see how different things are, to see how things used to be and how they are now, to, to see respect levels change. To, 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 to see roles and relationships change, to see morality change. Wall, the walls are torn down in America. The walls are torn down in the Lord's church. The walls are torn down in our lives. And we don't have strength in God, not the strength that we should. Man, we used to sing in the old church, and I'm sure somebody's still singing it. There is power, power, what? wonder-working power in the blood. The average church in America, the average Christian in America don't have enough Holy Ghost power to blow their nose. And that's why I just laugh at all these people walking around claiming these things that don't apply to them. I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. Paul said that, and he could. 
If you can't read your Bible five days in a row, stop saying you can do all things through Christ. All these cliches and all these half verses don't apply to everybody. The, the, I, we got people walking around saying, well, you know, I'm going through financially, but I know my God shall supply all my need according to his what? Oh, we all know these same five verses. That verse ain't for everybody. Paul said, I know my God will supply all your need because you've given to me in your poverty. When everybody else stopped giving, you gave excessively even when you didn't have it to give. Now, if you fit that criteria, if you give excessively, if you give over and above the tithe, if you give when it hurts, if, if you don't wait to, to see what's left over and toss a little something at God, but you actually are a real serious giver, then that verse is for you. And you, you, you ought to be jealous over that verse and tell non-tithing people, stop that madness. God ain't about to supply your need because you're stealing from him. Different message for a different time. But the walls are torn down, so it's time to go to work. I'm excited about 2023. And I, I thought, why, why wait? Why wait till January? And I, I'm not waiting in my personal life. I'm, I'm waiting to release some things into uh, the church in January. Because as I've told you, for those of you who've been around through a January before, January allows people, especially in America, permission, psychological permission to do better. Our minds are geared up. Whether you and most people don't, here's what's funny. The majority of Americans, the vast majority of Americans, do not make New Year's resolutions. But they all believe that January is the time for New Year's resolutions, whether they make one or not. We've been conditioned from the time we were born into this country to January is a good time for change. January is, so we have psychological permission to do something different. And I want you to maximize this January. Now, not, now, not like, uh, you, you know the people, I tell you all this every year, who's the happiest group of people in the world come January? Gym owners. Oh, they love January. Hey, two for one special. 50% off. Hey, $10 a month, anytime. I told you all about that, Jim. I joined one time. I joined it. They said, pay in advance, you get 10% off. I paid the whole year. I'm like, I'm smart about money here. That's 10% in my pocket. I went twice. (laughs) They sent me a letter 11 months later. Your gym membership is up for renewal next month. And if you pay in full today, you can save 25%. I told Gail, I said, baby, that's a good deal. I mailed them that money. And I never went one time. I paid two years gym membership and went twice. So I'm not telling you what I heard. Gym owners love January. Gym on, you guys that go into the gym on a regular basis, y'all, y'all going to see some people in there that ain't supposed to be in there. First week. How long are they going to last, there? Maybe 10 days, two weeks, a month, and that's it. It's back to normal, just, just regular, you know, sweatheads in there getting, getting in work. They love it. But you know who also ought to love January? Anybody who believes that there's a possibility for them to do better. And I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that God has more. 
I want you to believe that there is more faith that you can walk in, more miracles that you can manifest, and more blessings that you can receive. But first, we got to deal with this, this destruction. First, we got to deal with these torn down walls because we are living in a time where we are, we're, not, we're not strong in the Lord. We don't rejoice in the safety of the Lord. Uh, one, of, one of the first verses I ever fell in love with uh, says, The name of the Lord is a what? Strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Well, I've lived a dangerous life my whole life. I, I, I had had trouble all my childhood through. And when I realized I can hide in God, I, 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 can, I can run into this strong tower. And, and, and I can be safe. I can be protected. And we just we don't have that, that, that appreciation of what it means to be in Christ. The, the psalmist said to forget not his many benefits. I, I think we don't remind ourselves of how awesome it is every minute of every day to be a Christian. You ought to get a, oh, well, I'm on the winning team mindset. You ought to get a, it's just, it's just temporary mindset. Oh, what are we going to do do about the next election? Whatever. Temporary. This earth is passing through. Listen, we do not elect spiritual leaders every four years in America. We elect politicians whose only goal is to get rich and get reelected. All right? So we got to get an eternal mindset where we truly can be walking because the average Christian in America does not feel strong in the Lord. They don't feel safe in the Lord, and they don't feel protected in the Lord. Do you know the divorce rate? Here's a sad reality. Now, I can explain to you if you want to know, and even if you don't, uh, why the divorce rate is higher in the church than it is outside the church, and that's a fact. In America, the divorce rate is higher in the church than it is outside of the church. Let's pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study because I love Wednesday night Bible study. We get to talk, open discussion, interactive. Anybody want to tell everybody why, why would the divorce rate be higher in the church than outside the church? That's it. You talk too much to me. You got all my answers. They don't, they don't get married. Just shack up. How many of y'all remember that uh, that uh Preachers of Beverly Hills, horrible show they put on TV. Preachers of L.A. And, and Dietrich Haddon kept telling people, show me shacking in the Bible. Show me, it don't say don't shack in the Bible. It says don't fornicate in the Bible. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 what's going on in the church? We're not walking in the strength of God. We're not walking in the safety and protection of God. We're not walking around uh, with the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down. We don't have... Divorce rate just as high in the church as outside the church. Suicide rate just as high in the church as it is outside the church. Uh, just lack of morality just as high in the church as it is outside of the church. We have got some work to do. But the first step in rebuilding the walls we see in Nehemiah, the first step is to be truly concerned about our situation. We need to be truly concerned about our situation. I'm not talking about complaining. And there's a time to speak up, especially about injustice. I'm not talking about marching. There's a time to march, especially about injustice. But I'm talking about being concerned to the point where it moves your heart 
So you begin to cry out to God. I'm not talking about, well, let, let, let's have a rally and hold signs over the interstate. No, let, 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 let's have a, a true revival where Christians come back to life spiritually and we re-engage and you get back that joy that you had as a new Christian. But it starts with concern. And, and here's the thing. And I can't tell. I can't tell from here. Uh, it's easy to fool the preacher. I, I can tell you, there's one person who is always vocal and expressive. I'll give you a hint. It's a she in this room. Anytime I talk about the, the disaster and, and the pain of the people of Chicago. Absolutely. All right. Now, so we, now that may, maybe you're concerned too. Maybe you're not. But most people aren't. Can we be honest about it? Most people could care less how many folk died in Chicago. Most people don't care enough. It's, here's what's crazy. They're still talking about water in Flint, Michigan. Do you know when the water in Flint, Michigan went bad? You can look this up. President Obama's first term. They've been talking about Flint, Michigan water since President Obama's first term. Then, water getting no better in Flint for four years. Second term, water got no better in Flint for eight years. Then, uh, Trump, four whole years, nothing. Water still ain't got better in Flint, Michigan in 12 years. We've got two years under our belt right now of, uh, of Biden. Guess where the water's still bad? Well, it's just how it is, you know. It's just it's Flint, Michigan. It's just, you know, they got bad water, you know. What am I going to tell you? It don't, it don't, uh. But nobody cares. Save people need to get truly concerned about our situation. And if you realize there really is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, and that God has called us to be his ambassadors, and we're supposed to be brightening the world and flavoring the world for Christ everywhere we go, then you ought to take it personal to get concerned. We need to admit what's going on in our own lives and get to work. Man, I got all these statistics. I'm not going to read them all to you, but I've got this chart off the Internet from an average hour in America. Um, in America, in one hour, this is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is on Thanksgiving. This is on New Year's Day. This is on Victory Over Japan Day. This is on Christmas. This is on every day. This is 365.25 days a year. 110 babies are aborted every hour in America. Round the That's 3,000 a day. 3,000 a day. Guess what the majority of those babies look like. Do you know the African... 63 million black babies have been killed in America in the last 40 years. Tape of 40 million black people in the country. And that's on the high end. You can see some reports say 30. Imagine the difference it would be if, if, if you're like, well, you better not be, you better not be against abortion. I, I, I had somebody contact me this week that said abortion was illegal in America. Uh, and I'm like, abortion is not illegal in America. There, there, there's all kinds of states you can get an abortion in. Um, but the reality is, it's a stain on this country. God says that he is the giver of life, and children are a gift from the Lord. And he knew Jeremiah in his mother's womb, and he knew you in your mother's womb. And 3,000 babies a day for the last 40 years have just been discarded. 
two citizens in this country are murdered every hour. In the time we sit in here, going to be over 3,000 babies on average murdered, and there's going to be two people minding their own business. That's uh, two people an hour. So how many? 48 people a day going to get killed. 48 people going to die today, murdered. And we're like, mm, nobody cares. All right. How about this? In America, on an average hour, 24 hours a day, every day, every hour, click, clock, click, clock, click, clock. Ten women are raped in this country every hour in America. That's ridiculous. Our ancestors would not have tolerated this. Our grandmothers would have walked around with sticks beating people. You look, you got a rape look in you? Grandmama just took a stick to it and said, just pop, 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 stay away from my children. You know, I, I, I bet you this. I bet you everybody in this room got a child molester living within a mile and a half of their front door. They got websites for that stuff now. We're just like, we normalize deviancy. We, we got people, two people getting murdered every hour, 10, 10 women getting raped. 46 people get robbed with a deadly weapon. Get a gun, put it in them and say, give it up. Run your pockets, fool. 46 an hour? 100 people assaulted in this country every hour. 233 homes broken into. Lord, don't let it be mine today. 132 cars stolen every hour in America. If you walk out in this parking lot and your car's still there, you ought to thank God. You're like, I wish they would steal. No, you don't. 1,164, 1,164 homes vandalized every hour in America. This, this is what America's come to. Now, everybody in this room, uh, most everybody in this room is old, is old enough to have either had a parent, a grandparent, or a great-grandparent. Never even thought about locking the doors to their house. Never locked it. They left keys in the car. Left keys in the ignition. Like, ain't nobody going to bother my stuff. I ain't before people live on this street, and I'm related to three of them. But the America we've got now, walls are torn down. Verse 4 says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. They didn't have all this going on where, uh, at the king's palace. They, they didn't have all this, all, all this horror going on. Now, I don't agree with what Billy Graham's wife said. Um, what was her name? Ruth. I don't agree with what she said literally, but I get her point. She said if, uh, if God doesn't uh, judge America for our immorality, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I get her point. Now, God has not apologized to anybody, but we got more immorality in America than Sodom and Gomorrah ever had. So Sodom and Gomorrah didn't have that much people. One good weekend in Key West or San Francisco will outdo everything Sodom and Gomorrah had going on in total. And we're just like, oh, well, is anybody weeping over it? Is anybody sitting down fasting over it? You're like, well, that's, you know, Pastor, what am I going to do about, uh, you know, 100 people getting raped every hour? I, what, what am I going to do? Okay, well, maybe, maybe that doesn't ring your bell. Are you concerned about your own lack of spirituality? Are you concerned about the lack of blessings free-flowing into your life? 
Are you concerned about the lost people in your group of friends and family that desperately need to see you be successful for Christ so they can believe that all Christians aren't hypocrites and there is somebody that truly believes in the God that we talk about? People used to weep over stuff like this. People at Old Church, they, they, they used to talk about stuff like this, and they used, they used to weep. Nehemiah said, man, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. We watch the news while we eat. Look at any kind of crazy stuff. Something needs to change. He cried, he mourned, he fasted, he prayed. And I want to tell you something. Now, this, I, I didn't make this up, but I love this quote. I read a theologian say this one time. He said, you will never rebuild the walls of your life until you first reap over, weep over the ruins. You will never rebuild the walls in your life until you first weep over the ruins. The average person will tell you, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not the worst dude on the planet. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I don't do as much. And they justify all their stuff. So the first step is to get concerned. Then the second thing we need to do is confess. Say confess. In verse 5, Nehemiah said, Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. I hope there's somebody in this room that can say, I'm in a covenant with God, and I love him, and I obey his commands. He said, Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. This is where we got to get to. What, what, what do you want to do? You want to wait? Uh, last year, 14 unarmed. And I, I, only, I only zero in on this thing because it makes the biggest news in America because both news channels love it when they can put something divisive up there. 14 unarmed black men uh, were, were shot by cops last year. And, and, and the whole world went crazy. Ten people uh, or, or 48 people get murdered in America every day and nobody knows about it. I mean, we, 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 we're, being, we're being puppeted by TV. We need to get to the point where we say, you know, it's not just Chicago. And it's not just the, the Republicans that, that, that need to change. It's not just the Democrats that need to change. It's not just, it's not just the economy. It, it starts here. It starts here. you got to look at the person in the mirror and say, if nobody else lives for God, I will live for God. God said the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for one person that he could uh, show himself strong, whose heart is loyal to him so he could show himself strong on their behalf. God's looking for you. And everybody throughout the, the, the ages inside the kingdom of God had said, here am I, Lord, send me. But now it's like, and I ain't got time for none of that, God. Figure it out on your own. Tell pastor to do it. He gets a check. The Bible says I'm supposed to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Y'all supposed to take the tools and the information that you've learned and go out and win the world to Christ. Go out and live holy in front of people. Go out and share your faith. Go out and, listen, give right inside the church so your living can be talked about Beside, uh, by your neighbors. If you've never had the joy, I've experienced some cool things in my life financially, and I've always appreciated that. When, when, when my neighbor wants to talk about me and say, man, you, you, you really got money figured out. You're living in paid-for houses, driving paid-for cars. Um, 
And I always get to turn it back on. God is so good. God, God bless God's faithful. You need to get to the place where your light is shining so brightly that people can say about you what has been said about others. I don't believe what you believe, but I sure know you believe it. People aren't seeing enough right now because nobody's confessing. Their, it's everybody else's fault. It's everybody else's fault. Everybody in America is a victim now. They, 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 got, they got special groups out all over the place. Drew Brees is getting sued right now by the Association of Lightning Strike Survivors. Go ahead and put your son in on this list. Um, who, what, Andrew got struck by lightning? They got an organization for these people. They're victims. They're victims, and they've been discriminated against. And Drew Brees did a commercial for some sports betting thing, and their, their logo is lightning bolt. And a lightning bolt hits Drew Brees, and he lights up. They're suing him right now because that is discriminatory against lightning survivors, and you don't know what we've been through in America and all the pain that we've endured at the hands of, of an unaccepting America to lightning strike. I'm like, okay, now we just, what, what are we going to next? Pe- people that wear shoelaces, we just, you know, we, we're, we're victims. No, we got to get to the point where we stop blaming other people and say, you know what? I got to get me together. Because when you get you together, we can get we together. When I get me together, we can get we together. And when we get we together, then God is going to smile on that and it's going to be amazing. Verse 7 says, we have sinned terribly. He didn't say we sinned a little bit, but we ain't as bad, we ain't as, bad as the Amorites. He didn't say, you know, we got some issues we need to work out, but we're doing okay. He said, we have sinned terribly. We don't understand how horrible sin is because we don't take the time to focus on the fact that our personal sin costs suffering to the life of Jesus Christ and separation between God the Father and God the Son. It's a horrible price that's been paid for sin. And Nehemiah said, we have sinned terribly by not obeying your commands decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. In verse 8, he said, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. Now, I always laugh when people say, Remind God of his promises. Here's Nehemiah asking, God ain't forgot. God definitely hadn't forgot telling him, If you're unfaithful to me, I'll scatter you. Because they were unfaithful. Guess what he did? Mm. Then verse 9, he said, But... If you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. I want you to understand, no matter where you are right now, no matter what you've been going through, no matter how far you may have strayed from God, if you'll just return to God and be obedient to live by his commands, no matter what goes on. See, their biggest problem was they were exiled. They were scattered. Their their people were broken up. So that that was horrible for them. What he's saying is, no matter what horrible thing happens to you, even if something horrible happens to you, God will still bring you back to the place he chose for his name to be honored in. There is a route back. And some of you have never even been there. There is a route to get on the highway of blessing. There is a route to get on the highway of approval from God. And it is by getting concerned. It is by confessing. It is by repenting. It is by... Getting back to God. But you got to realize that you've messed up. 
Too many people stop with being concerned without going into confession. Well, ain't that sad, Reverend? Yeah, America's in trouble. Sad what's going on now. Flint still got no clean water. Forty years from now, Flint's not going to have any clean water. You know why? Because people fake concern. You're telling me they can't fix water? They, they're, under, they're under a boil mandate in Houston right now. Okay, I'm going to prophesy this to you. That's going to get fixed. They're not going to be boiling water in Houston a month from now. No chance. Fourth largest market in America. You honestly think they're going to let the fourth largest metropolitan statistical area in America be boiling water for more than three days? Oh, no. They're going to get right on that, Johnny, on the spot. Hop quick to it. 30 years from now, people will be saying, sure is sad about Flint. Pretending to be concerned. But don't make it a matter of daily prayer. Don't weep. Imagine if your child got sick from brushing their teeth in your sink just because the water was so bad you couldn't even use it. I mean, this is a condition all over the world, though. When, when, when the doctors gave up O'Gale, I took her to a faith clinic in Mexico. Um, the water was so bad there, you couldn't, you couldn't use, you had to use bottled water for an enema. And I'm like, well, that water must be really bad. You couldn't drink out of the sink. You couldn't have, listen, pretending to be concerned and being concerned enough to do something about it, that's a whole different level. Lots of people pretended to be concerned about the walls being broken down in Jerusalem. Nehemiah was willing to leave his place of comfort. He was willing to adjust what he had going on in his life, put himself on the back burner, and put the mission of God on the front burner. In verse 10, he said, the people you rescued, by your great power and strong hand are your servants. You got verse 10 up there? I didn't leave that on my note. I, I, I want everybody to see it. We, we, we one verse left to, to be done. We got it now? Yeah? Locked. All right. I'm going to read it to you again. Listen. Listen with comfort. Oh, here we go. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand. Now, I don't want any fakers because God's watching. And the Bible says you don't lie to man, you lie to the Holy Ghost. And I, I'm, I'm not here for a popularity contest. If I was, I'd preach shorter and I'd preach softer. But I, but I want to be real with you so you can get real with what's going on because we got a real God and we got real problems. We need real solutions. We need real change. Don't raise your hand if you don't really mean it, if you don't really believe it. God's watching. God knows the truth anyhow. The people you rescued with your great power and strong hand. Is there anybody? My hand is up. I know that God has rescued me by his great power. Anybody else know I've been rescued by God? Okay? That's a bunch of us in here. Here's what the Bible says we are. What does it say? His servants. Servants. You shouldn't have to ask a servant to serve you. That's their job. That's what they're there to do. We shouldn't have to be corralled. Please come out and pray with us tonight. Hey, I tell you, like, I'll come if you can. Pray for us if you can't. I'm not into begging people to come. The church would be full if I was begging people to come. But people who are truly saved, we are God's servants. Whether we're serving him right or not, we are his servants. There is nobody else. Nobody else is coming to do this job. The Navy SEALs are not coming in to work for the kingdom of God. The people that God rescued are the ones that are supposed to serve him. 
We need to be committed. Say committed. Verse 11, last verse. He said, oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. I don't have time because we're out of time. But look at this. We're locked up again. Lord, please hear whose prayer? He said, Lord, please hear my prayer. That's singular, right? That's just talking about him. But look how he flips it just right immediately. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. That's plural. So this thing's got to be singular and it's got to be plural if it's going to work. It's got to be singular. Some of y'all are waiting on your husband, your spouse, your, 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 your whoever to get better in Christ. You got to get better. You got to, somebody's got to start and say, let it, let it start with me, Lord. Let it start with me. Hear my prayer and hear the prayers of all of us who delight in honoring. Oh, we're going to raise up some people who delight in honoring God in, in, in the next couple of months at Abundant Life. He said, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Oh, Nehemiah's got a plan. He wanting to run it by the king and he's asking God for success. Listen, when you ask God for success in accomplishing God's will that he created you to do, guess what you're going to have? Believe it all day, every day, ten times on Sunday. you got to start doing what God created you to do, asking him to bless it, and sit back and watch the amazing results. He said, put it into his heart to be kind to me. And then he said, in those days I was a king's cupbearer. We already talked about that. A little bit. Nehemiah is asking for success because he's formulated a plan to go do something about the problem. Yeah, America's in bad shape. Yeah, racism still is active. Yeah, we're politically divided. Yeah, gas is creeping back up. Yeah, they're facing the highest energy crisis in the Northeast. I don't know what you Columbus people are going to do for heat. They're anticipating the most expensive. Uh, heating bills ever in the history of America this year to the point where they may even run out and people just not even have the option. Even rich folk won't even be able to pay for heat up north. Lots of problems going on. We could just say, oh, yeah, well, we'll pray about it, Reverend. Let's just pray about it. That's, that's just mouth flapping. Talk is cheap. It takes money to ride the bus. And we, we got we get, we to get down to it. He's the king's cupbearer. He's living in the palace. His life is easy. His bills are paid. He, he's, he, he's, he's got the best clothes of anybody. He's, he's right there with the king. He's sleeping on the best mattresses, sitting in the best chairs, riding in the best chair, eating the best food. Got servants all around him protecting his life. There is no worry for Nehemiah. He is in an honored position. And he's like, you know what? I'm asking the king to let me get out of here so I can go work. I want to go, I want to go do something for the Lord. Oh, it, it'd be easy. I heard some people the other day, I ain't going to call you out. I already told God on you. Thinking about stepping down from where, where you're serving the Lord. I'm like, how many people in the choir said they were going to step down? We got, we, got a, we got a pandemic of people stepping down. How many people, uh, uh, over the years, how many people have stepped down from food and clothing? Most of them. We got a pandemic of folks stepping down. It's time to step up. 
I, I invented a phrase, and I want you to live into it, and we'll go. Everybody's heard about backsliding. I made this up, me and God. We don't need any more backsliding in Scott Becker's life. We don't need any more backsliding in your life. What we need is some folk to front slide. Oh, it's time for a front slide. It's time for somebody to say, you know what? I ain't ready to move out of my house and, and, and go work in leper colonies in India. But I'll start making a difference in my own community. Are you willing to be committed to do something about the problem? You've heard it before. Are you either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. So I want, to, I want you to think about this this week. What's damaged around you? What's broken around you? Relationships? Finances? Mental health? What, what, what has been torn down around you? You better get a plan together, and you better ask God to help you succeed with it. Because while everybody sits back waiting on somebody else to do it, nobody's doing it. And churches are shutting down all across the world. Used to be where there were bars and warehouses, churches were propping up. Now where there were churches, vacant buildings are propping up. Somebody needs to be concerned enough to do something. But you've got to figure out what the damage is around you. We, we, can't, we can't fix Chicago right now. But what can you do to start rebuilding the walls in your own home, in your own marriage, in your own family, in, in, in your own community, on your own job, in your own mind? You need to get a plan together and ask God to help you have success rebuilding these walls that, that, that will bring us safety and strength and, and protection. But you got to get concerned. And I hope you're confessing your sin. Man, if you don't confess your sin all throughout the day, your list is too long. You'll never remember it all. That's why I say keep short accounts with God. When you mess up, ask God right away, Lord, please forgive me for saying that. Please forgive me for thinking that. God, you know I don't want to be that guy. Please forgive me for acting that way. We need to repent quick. Confess our sins. And you need to get committed to making things better. But everything starts with desire. Last thing I'm going to say. If God came to you right now and said, Carmelita, tell me. Don't, don't answer out loud. But if God came in and said, Carmelita, tell me just one thing that you want me to do in this earth today. Then he went to Nancy and said, just tell me one thing. Then he went to Chiron and said, just tell me. Give, give, me, give me the one thing. Now, for, for a lot of us, it'd be, you know, that someone we love be saved. That some relationship be mended that somebody's back quit hurting, whatever. But most people don't even know what they would tell God because they haven't been telling him. They haven't been praying for that thing. And we're about to go into our 21 days of fasting and prayer as a church. And we're about to lean on God. But I, want, I just wonder how concerned are you? You need to talk to God about it and make a commitment to make things better. Get into the book of Nehemiah. Read, read this story. It's for your example so you can learn from it. If you're here and you're not saved, this message couldn't have made much sense to you. But if you're here and you're not saved and you know on, in, on the inside, it's not right between you and God. Let me remind you of this. We're all only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God because he said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
I remember the day God washed my sins away. I remember the first time in my life ever feeling clean and without shame before God, the day I got saved. And you can have that clean on you anytime you're willing to repent, anytime you're willing to confess your sins to God. If you're here and you're not saved, you ought to ask God to save you. If you're here and you are saved, you ought to ask God to help you be more concerned about the tragedy that is going on in this world today. We don't, have, we don't have to look to Flint, Michigan. We don't have to look to the Ukraine. If I see one more church with a sign that says, pray for the Ukraine, I'm, every time I see it, I'm tempted to stop and ask them, are you praying for Orange Park? you church in Orange Park talking about praying for Ukraine. What are, you, are you praying for Orange Park? Are you praying for the west side of Jacksonville? We don't have to go to Ukraine to pray for them. What about us? We got people getting killed on our own streets. But does anybody care? I know God cares. And I know his word says the people that he rescued are his servants. So I'm commissioning you today to do what God has created you to do. Serve him. Make a difference. Make a difference in your life. Be like Nehemiah. Say, I'll put my cushiness and my comfort to the back page. Listen, if you're ever going to serve God, you're going to have to come up against him. <laughs> if I only came to church on days I wanted to come, everybody in this room would, would, would be on rotation to preach. <laughs> They'd be like, who's next? I don't know. Put Kyronda up there. She loves the Lord. She'll tell them something. You know, people that did food and clothing only came up here to pack boxes when when. When everything in their life was perfect, there would be no boxes getting packed. If you only come and, and, and sing on the praise and worship team, when, when your life is fine and dandy like hard rock candy, you'll fizzle out too. you got to have a, the commitment that Nehemiah had. He left a palace to go live in rubble to do something good for God. Where are those warriors at? In 2022, where are those servants at in 2022? I hope your heart can cry out. Here am I, Lord. Send me. You don't have to go far. In your own home, start getting things together. Start rebuilding the walls in your own home. In your own life, start rebuilding the walls in your own life. In your own relationships, start rebuilding the walls in your relationships. In your money, start rebuilding the walls where, where, where tragedy has happened, where, where, where hardship has befallen you. Start rebuilding and asking God for success, and he'll give it to you. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us be beyond concerned into commitment. Move us, God, from concern to confession to commitment. Lord, you've given us one life to live for you, and I pray that you'd help us to live it well. Forgive us where we've sinned. God, you know our heart. You know the ones of us who are truly sorry for every failure that we've ever had, every time that we've ever chosen wrong, every time that we've ever done something shameful or disobedient. God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive the people in this church. I ask you to forgive your children all around the world, God, and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. 
If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.